If you would open your bulletin with me to the call to worship. These words are from John chapter 17, when much that had been mysterious to those who were following Christ became much clearer. John chapter 13 through 17, we know uh, the bulk of what we know about this evening that Christians call Maundy Thursday, followed by the darkness of Good Friday, and then the joy of new life celebrated on Easter Sunday. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Maundy Thursday is an interesting time because it is a somber evening historically. This is when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. This is when the betrayer made his decision. This is when he spoke the most clearly of the need for him to die, that the wrath of God would be poured out on him for you and I. At the same time, he washed the disciples' feet, demonstrating that we are to love and that the new commandment uh, is to love at all times, which does not simply mean to be nice, but it is, in fact, an invasive act in a broken world of hope and life. And so we celebrate it because we know that Sunday is coming. And yet we observe a somber mood because we know that sin is grievous and that the holiness of God cannot be in the presence of it. And so much was required, but none is required of us. And so we're conflicted tonight. And the way that we engage our conflictedness is the same way that we do Sunday mornings. We responsively read, we pray, we sing, we open the text and long to believe and to believe in as deep of a fashion as we can that God loves us. That the sin of the world that we're born into and to participate in separates us from him. But that because of the work of Christ, we are restored to union with God. That we are in Christ. And so we take the sacrament. And then we continue to sing. And believe that joy and peace and righteousness have been purchased for us. So return with me to the rest of our call to worship. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, we thank you in as much as we understand and in as much as we do not understand the profoundness of your love for us and your sacrifice to reconcile us to your Father and ours. Help us, Lord, as we meditate, as we sing, as we pray, as we accept the sacrament. Help us to be gripped by the truth that you love us and because of the work of your Son have reconciled us to yourself. Amen. As I said in John chapter 17 and the chapters immediately before, we learn 
so much of what could be confusing about Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew being an eyewitness, Mark being a second-hand student of the disciple Peter, Luke being one who interviewed hundreds to learn the stories of Christ. And the reason that they're confusing is because for the first followers of Christ, the things that he taught about himself were brand new and transcended what they understood about life and death and the eternal. And we turn to the Gospel of John, and it is a key to us to understand. Jesus tells a story about a sower, and the seed is the word of God, and some is on the road, and some is among the thorns, and some is in the good soil, and some get scorched by the sun. And the point is that some grows and turns into a fruitful plant. So if we have to choose, because each parable has only two things, there's either the fruit or the not, then we choose the fruit. But how do we get the fruit? How do we become the soil and the fruit in these metaphors that Jesus is referencing? We turn to John chapter 17, verse 3, and he says, And this is eternal life. And he meant that as both life then and life forever at the same time. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus told a story where Faith is uh, the kingdom that he purchased is described as a mustard seed that's planted in soil and is very small, but becomes a tree and birds rest in it. So we're like, okay, if that's the story, if that's the parable, if that's the kingdom, I do want to be a tree. If there are only two options, be a tree or not be a tree, I want to be a tree. Well, how do I become a tree? And we turn to the book of John and we hear Jesus saying with tenderness and clarity. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus tells a story about the kingdom being the leaven, the element in bread that turns it into bread, that takes it from flour into bread. Like, okay, if there are only two options, becoming bread or not, then I choose the bread. But Jesus left the story mysterious in the midst of his ministry because what he was teaching was so new. That he was in fact fully God and fully man and that a trusting relationship with him is life. So there's bread and there's no bread. And we turn to the book of John and he says, and this is eternal life, that they, which is us, by the way, that we Know God, who is the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. One of the least cool things, I think, that Jesus taught throughout his ministry was that there were rewards, not for acting obediently or for doing religious things, but in the new heavens and the new earth. And even here, we receive salvation through a trusting faith in him, and yet... When we don't practice our righteousness in front of others for their honor, we receive a reward. When we're comfortable praying on our own in secret, we receive a reward. And when we're faithful with what he has given us, later we'll receive a reward. And that, that 
There's a lot to say about those three passages that I, that I just cavalierly referenced. But if the option is reward or no reward, we're like, okay, I want the reward. And Jesus left us in a little bit of tension because he was gentle. And we return to the book of John and it says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So we want to become most fully ourselves. We want to enjoy the fruit of the parable of the sower. We want to become a, a tree that others might find their rest in who we are as a human being. If there's a reward, we would love to enjoy that. And those texts confused the disciples. And if we only have those, they confuse us also. But the night before Jesus went to the cross, just a little bit of time before he was betrayed, he explained the mystery. And the mystery is that putting our faith and our trust in him secures all of those things for us. Many of you have been trusting Jesus for a long time. And my hope is that this service is an encouragement to you. You are being grown into a tree. Luke chapter 13. God is bearing fruit in you. Luke chapter 8. God is making you most fully yourself. Luke chapter 13 again. In the new heavens and the new earth, you will know the purposes in the form of a reward for the faithfulness that you have shown in response to his love. Luke chapter 19. The reason I hope that is encouraging to you is the world would attempt to convince us that there is not purpose to your past. And Jesus says there is. It is only one of those two things. Either there was purpose to it or there was not. And Jesus is quite clear that all that happened to us, he is powerful and good to restore and turn to his purposes. Today, do you wonder about the decisions that you should make? Jesus says that he is present with us in that. And that this is eternal life, that we can trust him, not only with our salvation and eternal life, but with our decisions. And what about the future? I believe the world would convince us to be afraid of the future. And because of the work of Christ, you and I are led gently over time away from fear. Our future is not one of fear, but one of hope. Because this night, Jesus taught clearly that he was indeed God. The next night he was put to death, and everyone thought that was the end of the story. And then on Sunday he rose from the dead, proving that new life is available for you and for me. I'd like to give you a moment and I would encourage you to meditate on 
John chapter 17, verse 3. It's the first bold text in your bulletin. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What this purchases for you and I is interpretation of our past and a promise that it was not without purpose. What this has purchased for you and I is an understanding of today that we can have peace and joy. What this purchases for you and I for our future is hope and not fear. Spend a few minutes meditating on that verse. And this is eternal life, that we know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And this is eternal life, that we know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And this is eternal life, that we know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What I can tell you with confidence as a pastor, as one who studies the word and is called to it, is that this means that your past is not without purpose. Your present is secure in a trusting relationship with him. And your future is one without fear. What I cannot do is make you feel all of that. Because we are still in a broken world and in the midst of sin and death. And so what we do 
is we take on the small acts of joyful defiance that God has given to us. We pray and we continue to sing and we take the sacrament because we know that these things are true and we do not always sense that these things are true. There is no merit to what we do, but there is hope in it because of the truth of what Christ has done.